Oh, hi, it's September 7th, I'm Ezra Levant, and you're watching Battleground. Oh, hi, folks, it's Battleground. Every Friday, we have a little live chat on something called Google Super Chat, and I'm so casual this Friday, I took my jacket off. I don't mean to scare anybody. Worthy of but uh, that's what's going on here. Um, we've got a lot to talk about. Just a reminder of what uh, Super Chat is, because I wasn't here last week. My friends Sheila Gunn-Reed and David Menzies did it. Is um, It's live, and you can make live comments as usual on the right-hand side of the screen. Uh, but what Super Chat is, is if you chip in a couple of bucks, your comment is made in a bright, highlighted color that I can see out of the corner of my eye. And it's uh, appended also to the top of the little box there. So not only will every other chatterbox see it, but I will too. And I make a point of reading the highlighted ones because as you may know, this is a revenue source for the Rebel. We get to keep, I think it's 70% of the dough from the Super Chats. Google takes the other 30%, which I suppose is fair. Um, speaking of YouTube, we just got our million subscriber plaque. Can you put up the B-roll of me unpacking that thing? We don't have to have the sound on tape for that. But um, I, I would never have imagined that we could get a million subscribers on YouTube. Now, of course, we don't get paid for these subscribers. It's not like they're subscribing to our paywall. Our paywall is eight bucks a month. People get the premium shows. That's not that. Imagine having a million people paying eight bucks a month. That's, that would be, I mean, that's not quite Netflix huge, but that would be quite something. No, I mean, we don't get paid, but it's a proxy for the uh, depth and breadth of our support. The fact that a million people not only want to see our stuff, but actually sign up so they get notified about it. It's, it's pretty cool. And uh, I just want to show you what that looked like. That um, yeah, just roll at any time. The B-roll. It was sort of neat. We we got the hundred thousand subscriber plaque. That's the one there. You can see it's sort of nice, but it's not much bigger than an eight and a half by eleven piece of paper, and it's silver in color. So that's me reading the hundred thousand subscriber plaque that we got. We only got that a few months ago, actually. But skip ahead near the end there, where I yeah right. So there, look at that. Look at that. I think it's four times as big. I didn't measure it, but if I'm comparing it to paper, that's like an 11 by 17 piece of paper. Look how big that is. That's the million subscriber plaque. And I've seen these unboxing videos on you. Thanks, that's good enough. I, uh, on YouTube where people unbox stuff they buy. And I never understood why they were popular. Okay, you're unboxing. The box was sort of cool. But what was fun was uh, not the unboxing, but that we had earned that. I mean, anyone can buy Worthy. something on Amazon and have it given to you. But we earned this. Uh, and uh, you earned it, really, by being amongst the million. Um, what's interesting is that many of our viewers are still not subscribers. So we're being discovered every day by, by people. Um, so what do we do on Fridays? You know, we used to do the battleground every single day, but I just simply could not sustain that because I'm traveling again a little bit more than I did. Uh, I was in fact in London uh, for a day this week where I met up with Tommy Robinson. And uh, it was good to, to actually, I mean, I, I saw him the day he was released from prison, you may recall. So it's been, it's been just over a month. He was released, if memory serves, on August 1st. And I saw him just hours after he was out of prison. I got to tell you, he did not look good that day. He told me that when he went into prison, he was about 190 pounds. And he's not, and he was muscle, like he was a boxer, right? He was pretty muscly. And when he got out, he was about 150 pounds. I couldn't believe it when I saw him. Anyways, I saw him again on uh, Tuesday. And actually, uh, we had lunch. It was really nice to see him. And he's put on about 10 pounds. Um, it's just good. He's still, he's, you know, um, and he's obviously been sleeping better. He's sleeping on a real bed, spending a lot of time with his family. He really hasn't re-engaged fully yet. And on his mind, of course, is the court case. As you recall, the Court of Appeal victory on August 1st that quashed the original contempt of court charges against him, 
um, and freed him from prison and utterly rebuked the trial judge, um, regrettably has commanded that Tommy appear for another contempt of court hearing that was originally scheduled for September 4th, but now it's been scheduled for September 27th. And um, so on his mind is that trial, as you can imagine, and I will be going out there again for that trial, unless, of course, it's delayed again. Uh, that's something I don't understand. I mean, I'm trained as a lawyer in Canada. I went to law school U of A, uh, practiced law for not that many years, and I sort of retired. I haven't done law in over a decade. But um, I know enough about Canadian law. You don't have to be a lawyer to know this. We all know this in Canada, that if the prosecution delays and delays and delays and delays your case, you can have your criminal matter thrown out because we have a constitutional right to a speedy trial. And if it's a reasonable delay, the court will say, all right. But if it's unreasonable, the judge will act, the courts will actually say to the prosecution, tough, tough luck. If you actually cared about this, you would have brought it to trial now because we don't want the stigma of a court case hanging over someone uh, improperly long. We don't want facts to be forgotten. We don't, there's a lot of reasons why, why justice must be swift. It, it, it shouldn't be hasty. But remember, Tommy was arrested for his comments on May 25th, and it is September already, and there's not, it's not a complicated case. He said certain things. Is it uh, contemptuous of court or not? The fact that it's, he's not actually going to have a hearing till let's see, June, July, August, September, four months, it's absurd. Uh, I will be out there again, and um, I guess that's just uh, under three weeks from now. And uh, hopefully Tommy will be even better. It's, it was really nice to see him, actually. And he's, he's getting his energy back, and he's, he's sharp, and... Uh, I'm not, I'm not saying he's, I mean, he's not physically recovered yet. You can't lose 40 pounds in 10 weeks without that just rocking you. And the psychological abuse he was subjected to at the hands of the prison. If it were anyone else in the United Kingdom, I should tell you, uh, there would be a, a parliamentary, a judicial inquiry. I can assure you of that. Anyways, that's a little ramble on my part. I didn't even mean to get into the Tommy story other than I'm explaining why I cannot do these daily chit chats, which I've really enjoyed. Every day, because, for example, I mean, and by the way, to go to the UK from Toronto, that's a seven-hour flight each way, and then you got to go to your airport time, and, you know, Heathrow to London is an hour each way. So, you know, even though I was only in London for 10 hours, it took me about 24 hours to get there, uh, including my time there. So it's, uh, my, my point to you is that's why I can't do these things daily, but I like doing them on Fridays. Uh, so thank you for that. Um, so it's it's only 12.08. I've got a few things I'm I'm going to show you if if the mood moves me. I have some some images, some little vids, uh, things I've been following. But I do like the banter. I like the questions. Uh, I like the comments. Sometimes I like the jokes. So I'm just going to take a minute. I'm going to go through the comments on the chat box there, and I'm really enjoying not wearing a, a jacket. Because uh, when you're the boss, and boy, I'm the boss, uh, you don't have to wear a jacket if you don't want to on Fridays. Um, you know, for some reason, I was just thinking back when I ran the Western Standard, I was the publisher of a little magazine about a dozen years ago called the Western Standard. We had 40,000 subscribers. Uh, that was, um, you know, the internet was starting to really pick up then. I mean, it was the absolute worst time possible. Imagine starting a magazine in 2004. You know the internet's growing, but you're not quite sure what it's going to do. Uh, and, you know, of course, it devastated the entire industry. I guess it would be crazier to start a print magazine in 2018, but 2004 was a rough time to do it. But I was the publisher of the Western Standard from 2004 till its demise three and a half years later. And I was just thinking, you know, I'm the boss, the boss of a teeny tiny magazine. Well, I was the boss. And I remember we had an event at Conrad Black's house. And this was when he was at the height of his empire with Hollinger. And so there he is, the mighty Conrad Black tycoon, who had newspapers in Jerusalem, in London, in uh, all across Canada. He had interests around the world. And I had the teeny tiny Western Standard Magazine, but we were both skippers of our ships. And I felt, uh, I, I thought it was very funny. I mean, but it's true. You can be the captain of a, of a canoe 
And you're as much the captain of the canoe as the captain of a mighty battleship. You're both captains. And so I am indeed the captain of the rebel. And so if I don't want to wear my jacket, I don't have to. Let's read some comments now. Um, Tammy says hello. Hi, Tammy. Uh, Almeida says hi. Everyone's just saying hello. Um, Mike Joyce, I'm from the UK but currently staying in the USA and I can't believe how biased against Trump the US media is. Oh, well, if you think that's bad, at least they've got Fox News, at least they've got talk radio, and at least they have some robust internet sites, uh, whether it's Breitbart.com, um, The Daily Caller is excellent. Um, you know, I mean, dr uh, the Drudge Report is very important. Rush Limbaugh, the biggest thing in radio, is very conservative. Uh, so America, at least there is the other side of the story, not so much in Canada and even worse in, in the UK. I see Ingrid K. Warner has uh, chipped in five bucks for a super chat. That's what it does. I don't know if you can see that. So her comment is in bright green and it's appended to the top of the box there. So I, it just popped right up and I saw it immediately. Ingrid says math scores in Ontario dropped over five years in standardized testing, yet people are still freaking out over sex ed. Thoughts? Well, let me tell you, as a, as a dad with kids in the school system, it is absolutely appalling how bad the schools are here. And, you know, it's not much better in the private system because you're still following the awful curriculum and you're still subject to the kooky theories and the peer pressures and this new style of teaching, you know, at, at, at the variety of schools where kids have been to. You know, you have pajama day and sports day and all these days and I keep saying, let me know when there's a math day or a spelling day. They never have them. You know, I remember the first, don't get me started. You know, I better stop there because if I, if I keep talking about, um, if I keep talking uh, about schools, I'm, it's going to take up the whole hour. Yeah, it's awful. Ontario has the dumbest and most expensive schools in Canada. I'm not going to say in all of North America because I'm sure there are examples of it being worse, but they're pretty bad. Jonathan Bryant says, Dave and Sheila were great. Give them a live show. You know what? I, I actually went back and I watched it because they had a banter, didn't they? They had the banter. They had the back and forth. And they obviously like each other. In fact, I was um, had the pleasure of being with both of them uh, this summer when we went to Israel. And I don't think they'd actually ever spend any time together because Sheila, of course, holds the fort for us in Alberta. And David's based here in Toronto. So... Uh, I think they didn't really know each other, even though they've been colleagues for, for a few years. Um, but I think they're sort of chummy, and I think it came across. They had that fun banter. I'm using that word banter a lot, but that, that really was what it was, wasn't it? Um, Panzerkampfwagen 4, aus of something, please talk about Chemnitz. Chemnitz is a town or a city in Germany where Muslim migrants have murdered uh, Germans. Now, that happens all across Europe and it's actually coming to North America too. But I think it hit the tipping point in Chemnitz. I don't know if we can call up some B-roll of the protests in Chemnitz, uh, including the very interesting protests where people wore the large placards. Can we get some B-roll of that? So it's, uh, I think it's in Saxony. I don't know my German um, geography that well. But um, people just had enough They've had enough of the murders. And there is, there's one, actually, if you can get one sound on tape, uh, Alex, I, I uh, tweeted it. It was some regular guy, some middle-aged German guy who was explaining he can't even take his, his family into the town square anymore. He can't even go to the street downtown because Muslim migrants shout out to any undercover women. Uh, sorry, uncovered women, want to F-U-C-K, want to F-U-C, like it's just so, the threats of rape, the invitations to rape, um, give me the B-roll of the protest if you can, give me the, give me that, I, I, I would have uh, retweeted that, Vader, you could probably find, find it pretty quick under Voice of Europe on Twitter. Um, I just want to show the thousands and thousands of severely normal Germans um, with their protest and the police response was huge, massive paramilitary riot squads. And my first thought was, why don't you use that massive military riot squad business to stop the invasion of unvetted, unrestricted, unfiltered migration? 
like, why don't you deploy your German military against invaders? Why are you deploying it against German citizens? But what was also telling, and if we can find the clip, we'll show it to you, is um, how the media has become a target for the protesters because the media, I mean, in the States, you do something conservative and you're called alt-right. In the UK, they use the phrase far-right. So here's, they have pictures. Um, this is one of the protests. And the police, okay, that, uh, I think those are, yeah, those are the riot police. Look at that. They're coming in with their, and you can see the headline there on RT, politicians called for the AFD party to be monitored for extremism. So the German government says, let us now, oh, look at this. You see, these are people who have been murdered. Look at these silent protests. These are all people who have been murdered or raped. Um, the AFD is a, an insurgent party called Alternative for Deutschland, and they're concerned about mass Muslim migration. And so did you see that little banner there on RT that said uh, the government wants to monitor, to spy on them? That's not a good look for Germany, the country that had the Stasi and the Gestapo. It's not a good look to be discussing spying on political minorities. It's not a good look. So that's Chemnitz. And of course the media denounces it as, uh, my point I, I was going to say before the clip came up, was they call Canadians and Americans alt-right, they call Brits far-right. In Germany, they call them neo-Nazis. Those protesters didn't look like neo-Nazis to me. They looked like mums and dads who were sick of their kids being murdered on the altar of diversity. All right, let's, uh, let's keep on uh, looking at some of the, con uh, the comments here. Oh, yes, that's right. Uh, Rami Tobinson says, yep, I'd love to go on that cruise with Katie and Tommy. Can we call up? Um, we have a little short promo vid for the cruise. I think I saw it on Twitter. I don't know if it's on our YouTube page, but I, f I forgot to mention this. Um, why don't you go to... Uh, I'd like to find that clip. It's, it's probably on YouTube. I know for sure it's been on Twitter. Um, did I tell you, I mentioned the Israel trip that David and Sheila and I and Katie Hopkins uh, went on with, I think it was 61 of our most enthusiastic viewers. It was a really fun trip. It wasn't just fun, it was very educational. We met with lots of officials. We met with a member of the Knesset, that's Israeli parliament. We went to an air show. Sorry, it wasn't an air show. It was the graduation of the Israel Air Force Pilots Academy. And so, yeah, they had an air show, but it was the graduation. The prime minister was there, the president was there, the defense minister there. We were the only people there who weren't friends or family of the graduates. It was amazing. We went right down to Sterot, which is a town right near Gaza that all the attacks come in. So it was a great trip. 61 people came with us to Israel. We are doing another trip now. Uh, to Europe. Let me know when, when we have that video. And um, this one is in Eastern Europe. It's a riverboat cruise on the Danube River. Now we've done cruises before the Rebel and the Sun News Network and even at the Western Standard in the Caribbean, in the Pacific Ocean, and also we did a cruise up to Alaska. Those are fun, but the thing about big boat cruises, there's two things about, three things about them. First is, they're huge boats. Give me one sec, I'll call for that clip in one sec, but let me just finish my, my point about uh, the cruise we've done in the past. In the past, we've gone on these big cruise lines, usually Holland America. So they've got like 1,800 people on the boat. So our group would be 100, 200, 300, but we would be a small group within the larger boat, so we wouldn't have the boat to ourselves. Secondly, you're at sea for a few days. Like you, you do the Caribbean cruise, it's a week long. But there's two or three days where you're just bored. You're just at sea because you're just going between islands. There's no port. And the third thing, obviously, is that you're susceptible to political interference. We had booked a Caribbean cruise last uh, winter, but some alt-left trolls managed to scare off Norwegian Cruise Line from having us. So what we've done this year is we have booked a, an entire boat. Now, obviously, it's not this huge Holland America-style 1,800-person cruise ship. It's actually only 68 cabins. 
which means you know there's not going to be more than 120 people in the boat because some people will have cabins just themselves. So there's probably going to be 120 of us max. Wouldn't surprise me if there's only 100 of us. We have the whole boat to ourselves. It's private. I have a letter from the owner of the ship, the owner, saying you will not be deplatformed, I promise you. Uh, so we've chartered the whole boat. And because we're not on the high seas, we're not going between islands, we're on a river, so you're never bored. First of all, you can look out your window the whole time and see things, and you stop and all the time in port cities, and we stop and we get out and we go into the town and we, you know, anyhow, without further ado, let me show you a little ad we put together for this boat. Take a look. I didn't hear any, was there any vocals there or was there just a soundtrack on that? There was or wasn't? Yeah, there was. Okay, I didn't hear them in my ear. So what do you think of those images? What do you think of those gorgeous, gorgeous cities? Can you go to rebelcruise.com and put the map on? Go to, we got this website, Rebel, and I know I'm talking about this a lot, but I want to let you know, do you see those four people we had? Uh, oh, this is the map. So we, st we fly into Munich, Germany. We go to Regensburg. I've never been there. That's on the river. And you can say we see we sail a couple of cities. Then we go to Linz, Melk. I don't even know these places. Vienna. So you can see we're actually we're going to a lot of different places. Vienna, obviously one of the most beautiful cities in the world. We're Bratislava in Slovakia. I've never been there. And Budapest, Hungary. That's where Viktor Orban is in Austria is where Sebastian Kurz is, and Germany is where that alternative for Deutschland party is. So these countries, Slovakia, these are the countries that um, are on the leading edge of dealing with the mass migration that is transforming the traditional culture of, and, of, and demographics of, of Europe. So not only do we want to go and see um, do, you, do you want to scroll up the page just to, to show the other things here? So it's June 9th, it's the 16th. It's Daniel Pipes, me, and Katie Hopkins. And we've got Tommy Robinson on too. In fact, um, we should get Tommy's picture on there. But he's coming and he said he wants to bring his missus. Take a break. So he's coming as our guest. I'm happy to, to have him on. Um, we've got the Monarch Empress. Yeah, scroll down a bit. Scroll, keep scrolling. The boat itself is pretty cool. If you want to see more, go to, go to the website itself. You can see a little hint of what the boat is like there. Uh, there's our itinerary, the different cities we go to. Um, the boat's going to be good. Anyways, thanks, thanks for going through that. Um, I should tell you, we have... We haven't even really pushed this. We've only started to talk about it, and it's almost half sold. Uh, so if you are interested, you should go to rebelcruise.com and poke around. Uh, I'll tell you, the prices start. It's not cheap. It's not cheap because it's a gorgeous tour. you got to get to Europe. And it's a fundraiser for the Rebel, too. I forgot to mention that. So we pay for the boat, but we, we, we tack on 
a few hundred bucks per cabin because that's how, so if we've got 68 cabins, that's how we're going to make money off this. It's one of the things we do to, to live because we don't get handouts from the government or we're not financed from any big corporations. So uh, if you wonder what the price is, it's not cheap. It's, uh, it starts at 3,500 bucks US per person. So that is not cheap. But I think it's going to be the trip of a lifetime. I have never been to Budapest. I've never been anywhere in Slovakia, anywhere in Hungary. I've been to Vienna, Austria, gorgeous city. I haven't been to Regensburg, Germany. And you're, you're coming along with Daniel Pipes, Katie Hopkins, myself, Tommy Robinson, and we will be meeting with local political activists and leaders. I don't want to reveal names yet. We're still making organizational plans for who we will meet with. But it is my goal that when we're in Hungary, we'll meet with people from Viktor Orban's government. It's my goal that when we're in Austria, we meet with people from Sebastian Kurz's government, uh, people from Alternative for Deutschland when we're in Germany. Um, not just politicians, though. I don't want just politicians. Other people with their finger on the pulse of what's going on in those countries. So this is a vacation. This is an education. This is touring. This is hanging out on the boat just with the hundred of us in the bar, in the lounge, whatever. I think it's going to be amazing. I'll stop talking about it. I mean, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't really mean to go that deep on it, but I just thought, geez, we're going to those places. I'm showing you a video of Germany. And I thought, shoot, we're going to be there in June. So um, my only point for raising it here is if you're considering going, think about it. In, over the next few weeks, because if we've almost sold half of the cabins and it's only September 7th, I think there is a chance we're going to sell them all out in the next month. Um, so think about it. Go to rebelcruise.com. I can tell you that people are coming from all around the world. I just had an email from three ladies from Australia who are uh, considering making the journey. We have other Australians already booked on the trip, people from all around. It was sort of neat on our Israel trip to see where people were from. Uh, v. Zick says, Britain First is suing Facebook for targeting the right. I am unaware of that. Thank you for bringing that to my attention. It does not surprise me because Facebook is becoming more and more capricious and, and political, and we know that. Uh, well, what I didn't know is that the lawsuit was filed. I don't know what the likelihood of their success is because the terms of service of a lot of these companies are very one-sided. And in the UK, if they're suing in the UK, I would say good luck to them because the UK establishment is very censorious and it's very hostile to groups like Britain First. If there was a lawsuit in America, maybe it has a fighting chance given the First Amendment. Lord Rupert Everton chips in two bucks. Thank you very much for that. Um, Okay, it's 1227. Let's get back on track. I didn't mean to go on at such length uh, about uh, the cruise, but once I started talking about it, of course, I, uh, I didn't stop. Um, okay, I'm going to read some more comments, and then I've got some vids I might play, but I, I like the comments. Uh, Politico, Ezra, you should hook Tommy up again. No paywall, doesn't work. Keep him fully free to view. You're a good combination. Well, thank you for that. You know, I'll be candid with you, and I've said this before. When Tommy was in prison, my only role was to crowdfund for the family. I didn't even talk to Tommy when he was in prison. He only had, I think, two phone calls a week. And obviously, he's going to spend that on his family and his lawyer. So I only talked to his family. And they, they passed on messages and whatever, and I talked to his lawyers. Um, and, and, of course, I did journalism went to the, the trials and the hearings. But now that he's out, I, uh, Tommy is not built to have a boss. I think he would agree to that. Would, would you not agree with that? And um, especially a boss, what, 3,000 miles away or however far Toronto is from Luton. It's not going to work that way. I'm happy to do projects with him. I'm happy to uh, help him on the crowdfunding side. That's something we'd like to do here. Um, we're used to fighting legal fights, so I can give him what advice I can there. Happy to do some journalism with him as the need be. But I, I think the idea of actually working with Tommy in a formal business relationship, I just, you know what, I, I, I've never been better friends with Tommy than I am now. 
We had just a great lunch on Tuesday, and uh, it was really nice to see him. We sat there right, right, on, right on the River Thames, obviously. He, was, he came into the city, and we sat right there and uh, shooed the pigeons away as we had lunch. And uh, I'd say it's never been friendlier. And I want to keep it that way. I don't want to try and be his boss, and I don't want to say, do this, don't do that, because that is not fun. Imagine how unfun that is. So, but I encouraged Tommy. I, we talked a little bit, and I encouraged him to do things, and I, you know, gave him whatever advice I, I had, and um, he knows my views on things. So, no, I, I've never, I, I don't want to be his boss again. But will we do TV with him? Sure, on an ad hoc basis, but nothing, you know, we're not going to get married again. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, be, we'll be good friends, though, I hope. Um, Synthwork says Tommy might miss the cruise. Well, I mean, God forbid, but, uh, you know, I, we'll do what we can to help keep him free, and he'll do what he can to stay free. Calvin Arndt, is there any reason why Rebel doesn't support Britain first the way it did Tommy? In your opinion, is there any real difference between them? Money aside, even interviewing them would help. I have met uh, Jada Franson and uh, Paul Golding uh, once in, in London, and we talked a little bit about things, but I have to tell you my main reason for not engaging with them is that I simply don't know them enough, and so I don't want, I, I haven't done my due diligence. And I think I, you have to be very careful about these things because we don't want to, I'm, and so I'm not judging them, I'm saying I, ha, I don't have enough information yet upon which to make a judgment. And Tommy is certainly enough to keep me busy and keep my hands full. So, um, that, that's the reason. I just don't have enough information. Uh, Matthias Rodriguez, is Rebel Media anti-Jewish? Well, I hope not, because I'm Jewish, so it would be weird and uncomfortable for me if it was anti-Jewish. Um, uh, Mr. White 3.0, Britain first can't make money for Ezra. Well, it's not, it's not about making money or not. Do we interview them? Do we promote them and support them? I just want to know more about them first. Um, that's the answer there. Um, Lawrence, oh, Lawrence Southern, you are not wrong. We need to go back to free markets and currency based on gold. I, I don't know a lot about monetary policy. I know there's a lot of real gold bugs out there. And I think that's a lot of them have moved to the cryptocurrency idea, and I just wish I knew more about that stuff. I, I can't be an expert on everything. Uh, El Chapacabra says P Bernier for PM. I like Maxime Bernier. As you know, I disagreed with his decision to leave the Conservative Party. I think he would have been more powerful within the party. I think he would have been the leading energy in the party, both in terms of policy. He would have, He's the truest Conservative. And he's got charisma. I mean, he's got a certain brio and charm and energy, and he knows how to communicate in a way that gets attention. And my advice, which I gave publicly through my videos, was that he should have stayed in the party, you know, worked the convention, shaken hands, a thousand of them, um, worked the hospitality suites, worked the debate floor, and really made the parties his de facto. And if Andrew Scheer loses the next election, which I think is quite possible, then he would be the heir apparent. The idea of starting a new party from scratch is so monumental a task in terms of work and organizational effort and fundraising. I, it's, it's, it's such an enormous barrier to entry. I don't get it because had he stayed within the party, he would have inherited all the infrastructure, all the fundraising, all the brand value and a team. And uh, frankly, that moment of truth will come in a, within a year, right? The next election. So I have reached out to him t uh, twice, uh, inviting him uh, for an interview. And um, uh, he hasn't responded yet. I should check to make sure his response hasn't gone to my spam folder or something like that. Um, Ann Barnes, is Tommy joining UKIP? You know, I didn't ask him that. Um, I, I know that in the past they've been at arm's length from him, but their new leader, Gerard Batten, who I've interviewed and who I saw at Tommy's uh, last court case, he came to the courthouse 
um, is much more sympathetic to Tommy. And I should tell you, uh, can we call up this headline, Nigel Farage in the UK, called Tommy Brave. I'd love to show you a website that showed that. So even um, Nigel Farage, who has been very reluctant to be affiliated with Tommy or anything like that for fear of being called far right himself, uh, when he was down in Australia, uh, said, he still says Tommy is misguided, but he called Tommy brave. I'd like to show that headline, Alex, if we can call that up. Um, all right, let's, go, let's see, it's 12.35. I'm gonna keep going through uh, the comments. John Zeeland, Max will be naming the party next week. I look forward to seeing that. Uh, and I see that uh, there is some report that maybe he would be talking to the Libertarian Party and they do have a lot of po policy overlap. Um, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, El Chavez, I think Tommy should run. I'd vote for him if I could. Um, that is not Tommy's plans, I don't think. Um, he's, and I don't think he's built for it. Tommy's not built for endless meetings and processes and, and haggling over party constitutions and policy platforms. And it's just, Tommy's not built for that, don't you see? He's built for action and energy and kinetic motion and, uh, just Google Nigel Farage, Tommy Robinson, Brave. I just want to show the headline. Um, thanks. There we go. Nigel Farage calls Donald Trump a friend for life and changes tune on Tommy Robinson. Nigel Farage told an audience in Australia Donald Trump would be his friend for life before praising EDL founder Tommy Robinson as brave. So maybe Nigel Farage himself became a little more brave when he was in Australia and went a little further than he had before. Um, I'm just gonna go through some more comments. I like reading the comments, even the tough ones. Um, Lisa is happy to be seen. I love how Trump's trade with Mexico screwed Trudeau for backstabbing Trump. I don't even think there was that was Trump's goal. I mean, I, I follow Trump as closely as anyone. I mean, I know all of you do. The whole world follows Trump closely. It's riveting. Whether you like him or oppose him, you can't, no one can stop watching him or talking about him because he is the chief political force in the world today. And uh, Twitter's amazing because we get insights into his mind, sometimes scripted and planned, sometimes very off the cuff. I remember when Trump uh, first came on the scene, I went back through, you know, on, on Twitter, you can do an advanced search. So you can search for anything that someone on Twitter has said about any particular word or phrase. So I went to the advanced search engine, I typed in real Donald Trump, and then I checked China and Mexico and Iran. And I just read every single tweet Donald Trump had ever written about those key subjects. Don't you think that's a good way of, of taking his temperature? Because while these days he's more cautious and he has staff, things that Trump would have said or done five years ago, I can't remember when he joined Twitter, would have been much more spontaneous and probably quite an accurate reflection of his true heartfelt feelings on these subjects. So I went back and I read every single thing he ever said about China, Mexico, Iran, global warming. Those are a hoot. He calls it a scam. Endlessly, he says it's about, it's a hoax, it's a Ponzi scheme, pyramid scheme. You gotta read Donald Trump on global warming. He's perfect. He, and he hates saying climate change, because he, he, he knows that's a scam, even the words. So I went back and I did that for Canada. And you know what? It will not surprise you. Donald Trump didn't think about Canada. It was not on his radar. It's, it's like the wallpaper or the carpet. You just don't notice, it's just there. And you know what, that's a good thing. When, when Donald Trump is ornery and crotchety and he's looking to pick fights with things, why not let him fight Mexico, China, Iran, let him fight with Russia and North Korea? Why would Canada want to get in the boxing ring with him? Why not just stay very quiet? And Stephen Harper showed us how to do that with Barack Obama. He bit his tongue and even Jean Chrétien showed us how to do that with George W. Bush. Both of those combinations were oil and water. Harper and Obama couldn't be more different. Kretchen and W couldn't be more different. But in both cases, the Canadian pretty much said, all right, let's do no harm. 
Trudeau just couldn't keep his civil tongue in his mouth. He just couldn't shut up about it, could he? And so he would disparage Trump, and it became normalized within Justin Trudeau's circles to disparage Trump, and Trudeau's cabinet started doing it, and Trudeau's staff started doing it, and it became the official culture of the Canadian political establishment. You saw it in Trudeau's state broadcaster, the CBC. You saw it even in the government comedians in Canada. They work for the state broadcaster. Um, absolutely everyone in Trudeau's circle despises Trump and, and says so. I'm sure that many of Harper's team despised Obama, but they didn't say so because they knew what was at risk if they had a rift. Trudeau went from being ignored by Trump to being a burr in the saddle, and look what happened. Trump went ahead and did a deal with Mexico, and now he's saying, yeah, Canada, you can come into that one too, or not. And I don't know if you saw the show I did with Manny Mononegrino a few weeks ago. Manny said, Ezra, Trump wants the deal to fail, and Trudeau wants the deal to fail. Trump wants the deal to fail so he can slap a 20% tariff on Canadian cars and move those factories back from Ontario and Quebec to Michigan, Pennsylvania. There's no electoral college seats, votes in Ontario and Quebec for Trump, but you bring factories back from Canada into Michigan, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Indiana, places like that, you're going to win those things into, in those states in 2020. And Trudeau, bizarrely, thinks it's a win for him because he can campaign against the evil Donald Trump in the 2019 election. So Manny Montenegrino convinced me that both men actually want this thing to fail. Whereas if Trudeau just was a, you know, spoke no evil, you know, just, just shut up, we'd probably have an after renewal deal with Trump already and he would be fighting with other people. Too bad it didn't happen. Um, oh, Politico responds and says, yes, I understand he's tough to work with. I do think you two as a combination are stronger. Tommy boosts Rebel's membership. Rebel promotes Tommy's work. Fair enough if it's not going to happen. Listen, I like Tommy. I just want to stay that way. <laughs> I don't want to be his boss. Don't make me be his boss. Um, I'd rather be his ally than his, than his partner. You know, I mean, there, there will probably be little discreet things, like he's coming on the boat, right? He's coming on the cruise I talked about. That's a one-off, right? That's not, I'm your boss. It's come on the cruise, bring your wife. He's going to bring his wife. That's going to be great. Hang out. But that's a fun thing, and it's a one-week thing, and it's just, boom, in, out. It's, it's not a lot of ways that can go wrong, right? So uh, when, I was, uh, when I was in... Um, London on Tuesday, we talked about his plans. I'm not going to give them away. He's got his own plans. He'll, he'll let you know when he wants to. They're, they're, it's 100% Tommy. It's, and, I, and I was thinking to myself, that's interesting, and I gave him a few of my thoughts. But I sure don't want to um, be the boss of that, you know. I don't want to say, don't do that, or run that by a lawyer. I don't want to be that guy. Who would want to be that? Who would want to be... The one saying, don't, 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 don't. No, no, no. The fun thing with Tommy is saying, go, go, go. But if you're, if you're the boss, you can't do that because all you're thinking about is keep Tommy safe from litigation, including prosecution and contempt of court proceedings, and keep him safe from being stabbed. That's all you think about when you're Tommy's boss. But put you, just for one second, pretend you were Tommy's boss. Okay, just for one second. Now think Tommy's going to do an event. All you're thinking about is what can go wrong and how can we protect against that. And so every word you're going to say to the guy is dial it back, dial it back. Compare that to you as a viewer. You're saying rev it up, rev it up. You see? So which is more fun? It's more fun to be a friend of Tommy than a boss of Tommy. And that's what I want to be. Uh, I think I missed a super chat. Let me... Uh, Take a look-see, Lord Rupert Everton, what happened to John Cardillo? John had great commentary and he was with us for almost a year. He just didn't get the, the ratings, so uh, we left, I, we, we wrapped up the show he did, but uh, I know he's still very active on Twitter and he also appears on Newsmax, which uh, you can get in the States. I'm not sure if you can get that up here, but I think it's just a ratings issue. Um, Count Cliff, Ezra, you were just using this format to promote Israel. The war is with you as well. Not sure what war you're talking about. Um, 
we have published over 9,900 videos on YouTube. I used to say 9,700, but we've published 200 more since then. Of our 9,900 videos on YouTube, I'm going to guess that 200 of them are about Israel. What is that, 2%? Let's say it's 500. 5% of our videos are about Israel. I think that's proportionate, given its centrality in the news. Don't you? Uh, if you were to say, Ezra, all you talk about is Trump, I'd say well, that's a criticism, because of our 9,900 videos, at least 1,000 are on Trump. And we're Canadians. So um, listen, if you're curious, if, if you haven't figured it out yet, we're pro-America, even though we're Canadian. We're pro-Britain, even though we criticize it. We're pro-Australia. We're pro-Taiwan. We've been tough on China when others haven't been. We're pro-India, world's largest democracy, part of the British Commonwealth, an ally against terror, especially Pakistan. We're pro-democratic reform in India. I don't want a war against, sorry, I meant to say Iran. I don't want a war against Iran. And we're pro-Israel. And I'm a Jew, so I have an ethnic affiliation with Israel, a religious affiliation. But I can make the case for Israel the same way I make the case for Taiwan. I have no ethnic, religious, or historical ties to Taiwan. But the analogy to me is a little democratic country surrounded by big, bad dictatorships that want to kill it. Obviously, I'm for Taiwan. Same arguments with Israel. I see another super chat from Nida, five bucks, who says, new to Rebel. Canadian want to sub. Do you spend time on Canadian content? Being a conservative family in Vancouver is very hard. We need good content. Well, Nida, thank you very much for saying that. And I'm glad you said that because it is true. We talk of, today, haven't I been talking a lot about Tommy? And I'm sorry, the only reason I got on that is because I was explaining why I don't do this show daily because I was in London on Tuesday. That's an example of traveling. And then that reminded me of the tour with Tommy, the, the boat cruise. So then I probably talked for 20 minutes about it. But yeah, okay, I was getting, so what's our mix? Well, go on our YouTube page, 9,900 9, videos. And um, at least half our content is Canadian, I think. We've got, we, we do about two videos, three videos a day from the UK. We do about 10 videos a day, right? Two or three a day from the UK. And I think some of them are international themes. I mean, sometimes they're just really UK-centric, but sometimes they're about international themes. Free speech. I would say three to five videos a day are from Canada, and probably two or three a day are from America. Oh, and we have Tanvir Ahmed, who does videos for us from Australia. And we have Rob Shimshock, who does a video a day from um, Washington, but he's got a campus focus. So, so that's our mix. So uh, my show is about 60% um, Canadian. That's my guess. Uh, I saw a, a comment. I don't remember who made it. I'm just scrolling up. But it, it just said, um, talk about Alex Jones. So I'm sorry, I don't recall who put that up there. But um, I, can, I can answer that question without quoting who said it. I just want to say thank you for bringing that to my attention. Oh, Amanda Joy. Ezra, can you talk about Alex Jones? I sure can. Um, I, I've talked to Alex Jones uh, a couple times in my life, and he's a big personality. He's uh, an infotainer, which is the best kind of, that's uh, the way it is, Rush Limbaugh. Uh, you have to get people's attention before you can tell them something. Um, it's why the CBC is so awful. It's, it's not just that it's left-wing, it's just so bloody boring. Um, I, and as I've said before, I think Alex Jones is an omni-skeptic. You tell him something, he'll challenge you just for the sake of challenging it. He 
doesn't believe anything government or the establishment says. I don't know how much of that is a shtick or how much of it is rooted at its core. I want to give him the benefit of doubt and say most of it is rooted by his own observations and experience. And we've shown it on Battleground before and I don't want to do it again today. But I encourage you to go on YouTube and look at his documentary investigation into the Bohemian Grove. Bohemian Grove. It's a secret society in California that he actually infiltrated with the camera and, and showed their crazy pagan rituals. And I know that sounds conspiracy theory crazy, uh, but it's real life. And, and it actually happened. And that's my point, is that a lot of the conspiracies he alleges, they are conspiracy. They're conspiracy facts, not conspiracy theories. Now, the thing is, when you're an omni-skeptic and you apply that worldview to 9-11, to, uh, there was a school shooting, I forget where. And you get it wrong, it looks bad. But so what? So what? We don't shut down the National Enquirer when they go over the top, the, the tabloids. That's part of the media ecosystem. If you don't like it, don't follow, don't follow it. 2.4 million people followed them on YouTube, yet they were deleted. Not just going forward, but all their historical work was deleted. And just yesterday, Alex Jones was kicked off Twitter because nothing he did on Twitter, but for what he did in person. Uh, but look who's, you can see on the screen right here, Louis Farrakhan and Hamas are still on Twitter. Louis Farrakhan, racist, crazy, he's really the black clan. And Hamas, of course, a terrorist group, they are still on Twitter, but Alex Jones uh, fired yesterday from Twitter for nothing he did on Twitter, but for the fact that he accosted a CNN journalist in real life, Twitter banned him for that, just insane. I see a couple more uh, Super Chats. The Corker. CBC News Network is carrying an Obama speech live right now. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I totally believe you. On the weekend, they carried the full McCain funeral. CBC de deflecting for Trudeau. Well, not just that. But Barack Obama is not the Canadian prime minister. And he's not even an American president. He's an ex-president. So to actually carry that live shows, betrays their partisan agenda so much. When was the last time the CBC carried a speech by the actual president of the United States live? And by the way, they're very entertaining speeches because they're not really scripted. He actually breaks news almost every time he gives a, a speech, don't you think? Trump, when he goes to these huge rallies? But more to the point, it's relevant because he's the sitting president. But that's just the CBC going full Democrat resistance and um, the, the McCain funeral was the same thing. Yeah, John McCain. So he's one of 100 U.S. senators. Um, why did they love him? They despised him when he ran against Barack Obama in 2008. He was challenging the precious. But he lost, so that's their favorite kind of conservative, a losing one. And he became an anti-Trump activist. That's why they loved him. And that's why they covered his funeral, because it was an anti-Trump campaign moment itself, wasn't it? Um, so thank you for that news. That's just so, it absolutely doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, let me just see. I think there's another super chat. There we go. Crypto well. What do you think about the Faith G media blackout during the Toronto mayor race? Also, how about them Kavanaugh hearings? Pretty amazing, eh? Well, I've... I'm always asked about Faith Goldie on the Super Chats, and so I've given the same answer probably three times before, so I'll give it a fourth time. Um, I saw a poll. Can you find the poll, please, and put it up? Uh, there was a poll. I'm sorry, I forget the name of the pollster on Twitter. I think Faith Goldie herself might have retweeted it. That It was the first time I've seen uh, an actual professional pollster. I think it's a professional pollster. Um, put Faith's name to, uh, to the test. Um, the two leading candidates for um, mayor are John Tory, the incumbent, who's awful, and Jennifer Keysmat, a liberal challenger, who's awful. And then there are literally dozens of minor candidates, independent candidates, and some of the others. You may have had more support, like putting Faith Goldie's name to people, in my view, that would make people more likely to say that name than just saying other. Um, and if you would have listed a fourth name, I think it would be more likely. So I think that that is slightly enhanced. And put the other one where they have the undecideds 
in there. There you go. So 43% for Tory, 21% for Keysmat, 2% for Faith Coldly, 1% for Other, and 33% undecided. Now, if this were a key federal election, if this were the uh, 2016 election in the United States, the presidential election, that undecided vote is likely to show up, and I would have said at the time they would break for Trump. If this were the 2018 Ontario provincial election, I'd say they'd show up and vote either for Doug Ford or Andrea Horvath, the NDP. But when you have 33% of people in a boring municipal election for a mayor in a fairly apathetic town saying undecided, I don't believe those 33% are going to force themselves into the other columns. I think they're just going to stay home. Um, I think historically, turnout for municipal elections are, are low, much lower than for provincial or federal elections because um, the issues seem more abstruse, the differences between the candidates not as stark. I've said before that I think Faith will get less than 5%. I may be wrong. I saw an online report that said she's campaigning, that she has a campaign manager now, although we don't know his identity that they are actually canvassing. They have seen a picture to that effect. So it's not just a virtual campaign as it started. It's not just a Twitter campaign. There is some door knocking going on. But um, at this point, I mean, there's still over a month to go. I think that my early prediction that she will get 5% or less holds. We'll see. Uh, Ezra's first regulars, have you looked into norovirus? Nearby government bio lab discussing more on this after the battleground. Join in, keep up the good work, Ezra. Uh, thank you, Ezra's first to regulars, and thanks for the chip in. I've heard a little bit about norovirus. I think is that the same as the Norwalk virus? Perhaps I'm revealing my own, my own ignorance, uh, and I don't know any political uh, things to say about it. So um, I guess my answer to your question is more accurately no. Um, Aaron Smith, Ezra, have you seen the CBC vote compass for the New Brunswick election? No, I haven't. I know what you're talking about. This is such an unethical tool the CBC has. Uh, it asks you a bunch of leading questions, and if you give the right answers, it tells you who you should vote for, and inevitably it steers you towards the state broadcaster's own choice, which is the parties at the left. So uh, I remember back at the Sun News Network, we would mock them. Um, Charles Duran, next event in Ottawa. Hey, great idea. We did an event in Toronto. We had the Rebel Live, very successful. We're having a Rebel Live event in Calgary in November. And I'm pleased to say we're already booking speakers. Lindsay Shepard just uh, confirmed today, for example. Um, I'm not quite ready to give you the details of that. We're putting together a bit of a, we're confirming a few more speakers, but that's coming up on November 10th. So if you are in Calgary or would make the journey to Calgary, um, pencil that in November 10th. But Ottawa is a good city for us. Uh, in terms of Canadian cities, our number one is Toronto. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton are sort of tied for next. And then I think it goes Ottawa and then Vancouver. That's where our viewers are. Uh, so 59, I'm almost done. I'm just checking to see if I've missed any Super Chats. Have I missed any Super Chats? No, I think I got them all. Uh, I'll end with Dwayne Jane, who says CBC sucks, and I think that's a good way to end the show. Um, well, there you have it. Thanks for chit-chatting with me today, and I hope you don't mind me not wearing a jacket. I think next time I will wear a jacket, because the jacket helps hide how fat I am. So the jacket's going back on next week. Um, thank you for chatting. Thank you to everybody who chipped in with the uh, few bucks here and there for Super Chats. We use that to help pay the bills. I do want to say, come on the cruise with Tommy. If you've, I, you know, I'm getting, I, I spent a lot of time on this yesterday. I responded to a bunch of emails. I'm getting excited about it. Uh, I think it's going to be amazing. I've never been to Eastern Europe before. I, I would call Czech, Czech Republic, Eastern Europe, or Hungary excuse me, in Hungary, Slovakia. You can see the map at rebelcruise.com. I want to go to Budapest. 
I want to see the city. I bet it's beautiful. And I want to learn more about Viktor Orban. And not just from our slanted left-wing media. I want to hear from Hungarians themselves. I want to hear from people in his own government, don't you? And I want to be in that room, not just by myself. I want Tommy there, and I want Daniel Pipes there, and I want Kitty Hopkins there. And I want to listen, you know, there's only 68 cabins. I want the 100 of us to have a real briefing firsthand. That's actually the most important. I mean, I could go to Budapest if I wanted for a holiday. I don't think I would, but a cruise of all these cities, and it's to be there with Tommy and Daniel Pipes and Katie and learn these things. That's why I'm excited. I know I talk too much about it, but that is on my mind, and you can get that info at rebelcruise.com. All right. It's 1 p.m. Eastern time, time to say goodbye. But if you are still uh, so inclined, you should tune in at 8 p.m. Eastern. I've already recorded an interview for tonight. Uh, it's, a, it's a fun one. It's about the CBC and Justin Trudeau and Christy Freeland. If you can tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Eastern, I, I think you'll like it. Uh, until then, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home and around the world, keep fighting for freedom. Bye-bye.